This is Restless, reading the YouTube comments. Welcome to an extra special midweek bonus of Restless called... I read Pastor Michael YouTube comments and he responds to them live. Do we need a better name than that, Pastor <laughs> probably, Michael? Probably, probably do, but we're not gonna right now. Well, yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into the the comments of YouTube, which I'm often told is is death and you should never do. But but we're gonna give it a try today. So, Pastor Michael, let's start with one. And and, and this is a great moment where I should do promo, but I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm derelict at my duty. We have a YouTube channel where we are going to be continuing to share clips of the show. We may try and do things that just go exclusively to YouTube eventually. So please subscribe to the show. Please jump into the, the YouTube comments and uh, maybe we'll read them. If you guys like this, we'll do it on a future one. So here's one of our most recent comments on a clip from one of our Mars Hill episodes that I called the clip, Women Need Pastors Too. And here is the comment. I cannot think of a single biblical example where a transgression against God is put uh, is a sole purview of women. There is no such thing as women's sins. There are just sins. Again, if Driscoll had just exposited the scriptures in order going through entire chapters or even books, then in every facet these issues would have been covered. But instead they cherry-picked and made an incomplete theological mess. The YRR movement may have had admirable enthusiasm for Reformed theology, but was woefully underexperienced, even unqualified to teach and apply. So Pastor Michael, it sounds like he kind of agrees with some of our discussion of the preaching of the YRR, but he says there's no such thing as women's sins, which is something I said. Do you want to? Do you want to comment on this? Well, you are. You have to reply to this I have YouTube. To reply. This is officially uh, like bit we're doing. I yep. guess. Um, oh man. Uh, so I don't know the you know the exact context uh, still of exactly what they're responding to with that. Um, and if you simply mean that there's no sin that is like exclusive to women or exclusive to men, I think that I would agree. I would too. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of anything that uh, would would be exclusive to a man or a woman. Um, however, uh, sins do show themselves more in some women, uh, or some sins, I should say, show themselves more in women than men, and some uh, sins show themselves more in men than women. We are we are naturally inclined to certain sins in uh, a different way because God has made us different. Because we we do, as men and women, we do have uh, uh, differences in how God made us, what he made us for. And naturally that inclines us toward different sins in our fallen state. And so, for instance, um, this is why there are certain commands given, particularly to wives and particularly to husbands. Uh, this is why there are certain commands that are given particularly to fathers. Uh, as opposed to uh, fathers and mothers. Uh, this is because there are particular sins that do seem uh, far more common uh, for you know particular groups, and it does seem to line up uh, along gendered lines. Um, so you know when uh, when the the Bible says uh, that uh, wives are to uh, respect their husbands, for instance, um, and it tells husbands to love their wives. Now there's a way in which you and I would say. Husbands are supposed to have a kind of respect for their wives, right? 
Right. And there's a way in which you and I would say that there's a particular kind of love that wives are supposed to have for their husbands. Uh, you know, it would it would be weird for somebody to say, well, you know, wives aren't supposed to love their husbands. It doesn't say it in that passage. Well, no, there's a particular kind of love that wives are supposed to have for their husbands. Um, why are those the particular roles that are laid out by Paul then? I think the reason, at least in part, I think there's a, a couple different reasons, um, but uh, the, the reason, at least in part, is that, you know, it is far more common for uh, women to uh, m- more easily or more naturally love their husbands mm-hmm. than it is for them to respect them, um, and vice versa for men. I think that men right. more naturally, uh, they, they're, you know, kind of uh, driven by respect. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very, you know, it's, it's easy for a man to respect others if they're doing certain things that they find respectable. Um, however, uh, if you kind of flip things, uh, I don't think that that uh, comes quite as naturally. Now, when we... You know, when we talk about this in any area except for in areas of sin, everybody, I think, mostly agrees that, like, there are, you know, there are certain uh, uh, differences. Obviously, not everybody in our culture agrees that there are differences between men and women. Uh, but, like, we, we would agree that there is a sense in, in, in which, you know, each of us are, you know, uh, bent in certain directions towards certain sins. We are inclined towards certain sins. Um, and I would just put forward that the Bible uh, very clearly lays out that there are certain things that uh, men are prone to that women are not and certain things that women are prone to that men are not not to say that there you know there's not at the heart similar sins but uh, certain sins that should be warned more yeah. in young men for instance than needs to be for young women yes. and certain sins that young women should be warned about that it's not necessarily going to be the same for young men yes and so I agree with everything pastor Michael said I think it is a really important thing to say that there is not a specific thing that one race or one gender of people like there's not a sin that only white people can commit or only women can commit or right. But there are sins that depending on your station in life, you're going to be more tempted to. And I think it is inarguable that the Bible directly goes after specific sins of rulers of men of women of children right why does it tell fathers not to exasperate their children this is all over and so i do think there are things the the point i was making in that episode which again you're only listening to a clip so you know no no fault on this commenter who i think is largely making a good point is that the driscoll was being applauded for going after the sins of men and one of the women in the interview said, I later realized, oh, he had kind of taken away my moral agency because he was only saying the man needed to be corrected. And what my point was that if if Driscoll's ministry was known for equally and as, or even not as bluntly, let's say, just being known for correcting the sins of women the way he was trying to correct the things men tend towards, like pornography, passivity and things, I think he would have been attacked 10 times more, yeah. right? That, that that was my point, that that is what wouldn't have happened. And so our commenter is right in the fact that they say, if you just go through things verse by verse, these things would have been addressed. The other thing you have to do is if you're going to go through things verse by verse and address these things, you then do have to apply them, right? Um, so anyways, great comment. Let's go to the next one. Pastor Michael, that will be too long for me to write. I will have to tell them we talked about it. So here's one. Hey, guys, just found your podcast this and this video because of the new episode of The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. They play portions of Dever, Driscoll, and McDonald in the podcast, but I never realized this clip existed. Anyways, you guys should definitely have more subscribers. 
Great. And we agree. Hey, shout out to whoever that was. Yeah, go, Apologetics go from subscribe. the Attic. Go subscribe to the, the Restless Show, the Restless Podcast on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So here's a, here is a person. I put a clip up where Mark Driscoll has God tell him to leave the church. And this person left two comments. So Pastor Michael, tell us what you think of these messages. First, if God is telling you something very difficult and uncomfortable, it's more likely to be from him than if it's something easy or a shortcut. A message is much more likely to be from God if it requires sacrifice. They're kind of expanding on it. Or money or comfort. God has only spoken to me one time and is conformed with what is above. He has never directed me to do something easy, simple, or comfortable. So I think what this person is picking up on is that Driscoll's God told him moment was very convenient. It was. (laughs) God speaking to Mark Driscoll was like Mark Driscoll's <laughs> critique of himself. Yeah. It was God saying, you're going to be awesome and do a lot of big things and everybody's going to love you and you're never going to be the bad guy. <laughs> you're, yes. you're, you're going to uh, do all these incredible things. And that does, yes, it is very, very convenient, isn't it? Um, but, you know, what we would say is also, like, it is, it is a dangerous road to go down uh, this path of trying to figure out, uh, you know, in what way the voice in your head is God speaking to you. Um, we talked about it on that podcast, I think, just the the, the danger of thinking that way. Um, God has spoken definitively and clearly, and he's done so in his son and through his word that reveals his son. And uh, that, like, the, the scripture, I think, is very clear about that. Um, this is how God has spoken to us. Now, the, the difficulty with trying to put anything else on it, so I've, I've been told this a lot, actually, this very same thing, um, that, you know, if, if uh, what God says to you is, you know, something that is, you know, really uh, good and it doesn't involve sacrifice, really, um, or, you know, that, then it's more likely to be him rather than if he's saying, you know, here's all these good things that I'm going to do. Now, the problem with that is the example, for instance, that we have with, say, Abraham. Now, sure, Abraham at one point is told to leave, just leave his his uh, father and his mother, leave his land, go to a place that he's yet to find out, and that so that is very difficult. That is literally like you know giving up on your life as it is. Um, however, every other time God speaks to Abraham, he says, "I'm going to give you mm. a lot, right? I'm going to give you a massive inheritance. I'm going to give you this land." Um, even in that first. Uh, time that God speaks to Abraham. He does tell him, like, you're going to go to this land that I'm going to give you. Um, even, uh, you know, he's, he's told about his, his children that he's going to have. They're going to be, you know, greater than, than uh, the, the stars in the sky or the sand on, on the beach. And so, uh, like, that was a very good thing. And there are other places in Scripture where you have similar things. Um, also, it, like, when, when it comes down to, like, my personal interpretation of something that I think happened. And if we're simply, you know, going on, on these lines, and I, by the way, I don't think this commenter is doing this. So I'm not, so commenter, please realize I'm not talking about you saying this. Um, but I'm simply trying to point out the dangers in this way of thinking is that if we say, well, it's just more likely to be God if it requires sacrifice. And if it's something that is hard, um, what if God says, go, uh, and you know, get, in an airplane and you know uh crash it into a building Mm -hmm. okay well that demands unbelievable sacrifice it's extremely difficult it's extremely hard obviously we would all agree and again commenter i'm not saying you're saying this right uh like but we would all agree oh yeah that's of course that's wrong why well because what does the scripture say um 
And so I would say, let's just go to the scripture. If we want to hear the voice of God, he's spoken clearly, definitively, um, absolutely, certainly, and we can hear it and it's, we have access to it, you know, all the time. Uh, and so that's where I would want to go when we're, we're looking to hear the voice of God. Because that, that's why we call it the canon. It is the rule. It is the, you know, I, I understand again that what the commenter, you know, how the commenter is critiquing Driscoll is totally true. Oh, 100%. But is, again, is it's more likely to be God if it requires sacrifice. That's a, we might call that, that's a, a canonical rule. We just don't have. And so I, I think, again, valuable critique of Driscoll, but I agree with Pastor Michael. We read, we read God's word with certainty in the scriptures alone because we are Reformed and we are Protestant. So let's go to Dispensationalism and Covenant Theology in Four Minutes, a video we posted a long time ago because I thought Rob and Pastor Michael did a great job laying out the differences between covenant theology and dispensationalism in four minutes. That is our most commented on video where people are currently arguing about covenant theology and dispensationalism. Great. Hey, shout out to all you guys uh, <laughs> commenting and debating under the video. So so I'll just give you a few, Pastor Michael, and just give me your uh, rapid fire reactions to a few of these comments. So we have one person who says, God has always saved man by grace. And here's the reply. Yep, but Old Testament saints had to do works as well. We don't. Big difference. Yeah, so this is, I mean... This is so, dispensationalism, Yeah, this right? is dispensationalism to an extreme. Um, there are many people who would be dispensational who, like, they might not work it out to that point, right? Like, we would say logically that's where it ends up. But there are many people that just are popular level dispensational. You know, they read Left Behind. They grew up in a church that was dispensational. That they would not uh, maybe take it to such a degree. Um, but on, on a logical basis, sure. Um, but Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Yep. That's it. I mean, that, welcome, welcome to, welcome and to. All, and all true Jews from then on were also saved in this same way. 100%. This is, this is how uh, you are saved. Old so, to new in every way. So let's, let's do another one. This is from a guy named Matthew Hagan. 75% of the covenant theology explanation could be said of the Dispy view as well. What is needed in a discussion like this is a breakdown of the differing hermeneutics that lead to each view. I'll respond to this one quick. Uh, our guest, Rob, was trying to very friendly explain dispensationalism. So he was emphasizing the some of the positives. And in the full episode, we do get into the hermeneutical difference. Because we agree with this commenter. That is the big difference. And maybe we should do more on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you go get Rob's book, uh, this is something that he goes into in detail. And I found extremely helpful and, and beneficial um, to say this really, I mean, this is so many debates, so many of the debates that we get in in Christianity, dispensationalism and covenant theology, um, pedal baptism versus cradle baptism. Uh, many of these things ultimately come down to how we read the Bible. All right. I, I heard of this. Covenant theology has elements of truth, but is fundamentally wrong dispensationalism is fundamentally right but contains errors commenter just before we go on we just want you to know we totally disagree so <laughs> take whatever we say next with with we just come from the opposite perspective uh dispensationalism makes more sense to me when i read the scriptures inductively and any man-made theological system will contain errors so just stick to the bible god's word like a berean pastor michael 
Yeah, so, I mean, the reason we believe in covenant theology is because the Bible is, we think, very clear about it, right? Yeah. So, so obviously, um, that is is why we're there. Now, anytime you, uh, you know, get the very, you know, hardcore biblicist um, kind of view of things where, you know, forget the creeds, forget the confessions, forget these theological systems, um, the problem with that is, is uh, it assumes that you alone reading the Bible by yourself is sufficient mm-hmm. to understand it. And though we would agree that it that is sufficient for you to understand the most important truths, the central truths, those, those things that are most uh, necessary for salvation, um, we do not believe that reading the Bible in isolation is how you are to understand it um, as a whole. Mm-hmm. And so what we want is a, a larger, uh, you know, kind of broader, um, way of reading the Bible where it's not just us, but it's our church. It's the history uh, of Christians all reading together. And so we are, when we look at confessions and how they use things, when we look at different theological systems, this is why, by the way, even if you're in dispensationalism, which I think is wrong, I don't think that you should leave that lightly. If this is something you grew up in, you were given uh, and, and taught, I don't think that you should just throw it off instantly and just say, yep, it's all it's all hooey and just forget about it. I think you should go about it like Rob does, for instance, mm-hmm. um, in a very careful, uh, thoughtful way, realizing, okay, this is not biblical. Why not work through it, find out why, but then take that which is good from what you have come from. Uh, again, something that Rob does uh, a lot in in his book and in the podcast that he when he was with us, um, you know, like recognize that God has used this to help, you know, build you up, help you to grow. Uh, but then, like, what we want to do with these theological systems is, you know, read read the scripture with that help, with that context, but not not allow that to become the scripture itself. Mm-hmm. So the the final sections we will read are, one, from a person saying that this video implies dispensationalists don't, don't agree that Jesus is Lord and that we're saved through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. They do, and this video leaves that out. Obviously, that's what this video is trying to do. Very unfair. Um, Again, this is a four-minute clip of our whole episode. And as we've already said, no, they do believe Jesus saved them. The question is, what relation does that have to Old Testament saints? We actually have a person in this thread earlier saying they were saved through that and their works, which we don't agree with. But we do understand that that is actually a straw man sometimes people make of dispensationalist belief. All right, so here's the last one. This was a, another little debate. I'll let Michael read them. So the person who disagrees uh, did send another comment our way that was, hey, this was totally useless video. You just confused people. So, so. <laughs> well, thank you, YouTube, YouTube commenter. You have lived up to everything we've heard about you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So here it is. So this person comes along to agree with us. Covenant theology, this is not that person. This is a different person. Katie says, covenant theology lines up with what the New Testament teaches. I don't understand how anyone could be a dispensationalist. That would be very confusing that if the dispensation is going to fall from Christ at the end, Christ's work would have failed on the cross. There's going to be no new dispensation. This person disagrees heartily. Covenant theology does not contain scripture. Give me any citations for the covenant of works or the covenant of grace. Uh, BTWs, the Jews never thought they could earn salvation by Torah and following their instructions. That's what you do after you become part of God's family by faith and grace. You do it because you've been saved, not to get there. And there's no such thing as the covenant of works. You're thoroughly mixed up. This short video doesn't do either side justice. And I'm going to not read on. But so there are the, those are those, the final two debates.
Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, again, the, the, we'll take this as the question of, does the Bible... The question is not for us as Reformed Christians. You may be different. You may be a, a what we might call a, a strict biblicist, which you probably think is... In, the commenter who wrote this probably thinks it's insane that I'm going to say I'm not a strict biblicist. <laughs> but the question isn't, which is what we talked about earlier... The question is not if the Bible uses the words covenant of grace or covenant of works. The question is, does the Bible teach the covenant of grace and the covenant of works? Does it teach those concepts? Yes. Right. And we say, yes, it does. Right. We think it clearly does. And this is why, you know, I mean, same reason why we would say, well, the Bible teaches that uh, God exists as Trinity. Exactly. The question is not, which Unitarians often bring up, does God, does the Bible ever say the word Trinity? Yep, the Bible doesn't use that word. Okay, well, you know, hey, by the way, I, you know, I don't know where this commentary is coming from, but the Bible also does not use the word King James Bible. Right. <laughs> I just want <laughs> to throw that out. Or, or unless you're using a, a much older translation, dispensation. That's right, yeah. And so, again, th- th- this is, you know, again, it's going to be a fundamental difference of how we as reformed christians do theology which may be something to talk about later so i think super important hey it really brings up an important question it really does i know i'm kind of you know making fun of it a little bit because it's youtube comments and we just we want to have fun with it we love you guys we'd love to have you on the show probably (laughs) we would like to have many of the youtube commenters (laughs) we have on the show oh man so well that's been reading pastor michael the youtube comments so he can respond live loved it i actually had a lot of fun with that i will uh, probably just intentionally not read our youtube comments just so we can keep doing this hey can you believe that pastor michael invited youtube commenters on the show hard to believe we have got winsome winter coming thanks for listening rate review this show oh yeah and our friends at holy smokes box have just opened orders, so go check them out if you're into that kind of thing. Promo code RESTLESS. Later, y'all.